How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. When you find something that really works to solve a problem in your life, you grab onto that thing and you try not to let go. That's how I have felt about uh, Rough Greens for a while. I have, I have President Miles. Uh, you may know President Miles. And we call him President Miles because he sleeps approximately 22, 23 hours a day. He's a 17-year-old pug. Uh, he does not move around all that much. But when he does, uh, it's always encouraging to see it. He's kind of like the President of the United States. He's still moving around. You're kind of like, wow. Hmm. Uh, but to see him actually, you know, he definitely deals with joint pain issues and it's tough for him to get around sometimes. And that's why Rough Greens is really important to him, for him. They have uh, vitamins and nutrients packed into a supplement that basically, uh, first of all, he loves eating and it tastes great for, for, for dogs. But also it gives him all those nutrients that are lost from the sort of dead dog food that you, you get on the store shelves. Rough Greens is an, uh, sort of a supplement uh, for your dog food and your dogs absolutely love it. Let me tell you how to get Rough Greens and uh, and where you should go. If you go uh, right now to roughgreens.com slash Beck or 833-GLEN33, you can call them at 833-G-L-E-N-N-33 or roughgreens.com slash Beck. Brewing. If you have heard about the FTX scandal and maybe don't understand what's really going on, we have a ton to report in 60 seconds. So here's a stat that should shock you a bit 55% of Americans carry their credit card balance over from month to month. 50 5% of Americans. That's a huge number. Things are expensive. Life is expensive and getting more so. The, uh, the down economy that we've been experiencing has, uh, has seen to that. But you and I both know this leads to massive credit card debt with through-the-roof interest rates. How are you going to be able to handle that? Well, there are some people that maybe be able to help you out. It's American Financing. They're America's home for home loans and they've been helping people just like you save money now for over 20 years. Their salary-based mortgage consultants are gonna help guide you through every step of the process from free mortgage review to, you know, whatever outcome works. 
for the uh, the best for you. They'll help you understand all of your options from flexible terms to fast clothings, closings, and they've got you covered uh, with no obligations, no upfront or hidden fees. It's American Financing. In it for you. AmericanFinancing.net or call 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. It's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Vivek Ramaswamy is with us uh, now. Vivek. Vivek, are you there? Glenn, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Kind of a disappointing week uh, last week, but uh, recovering from it and uh, and moving on. Yeah, well, you know, that's the only way forward, right? I know, it is. So, so Vivek, I wanted to get you on to explain the FTX thing to somebody like me that's not really up on FTX, and I haven't been following this 30-year-old guy. Tell me what's what's happening and what it means. It's a really interesting story, Glenn, and not all of the details are crystal clear yet. I can give you the, the super detailed version if you're interested, but the slightly less summary version is that there's a guy who operated an exchange called FTX, right? That was the exchange where people trade cryptocurrencies. It's like Coinbase. Owned, yeah, exactly, except this is offshore, Coinbase is onshore. So think about that as an exchange. But it's a centralized exchange. It just happens to trade cryptocurrency. So it's like an old school, think about it as an equivalent of like a stock exchange, except people can trade cryptocurrencies on it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's owned and founder, founded by and lead owner is Sam Bankman-Fried, who goes by SBF. But he also had a separate hedge fund called Alameda. So that's a trading firm. So that's not an exchange. That's just trading to try to make money like people always have. On Wall Street, this has existed for a very long time. Hedge funds that just traded their own capital to make more money. So he's operating both the exchange and his own hedge fund. And it appears what happened was when that hedge fund encountered a bunch of losses and they have leverage, right? That means they're borrowing. That means they have to post collateral to cover for those losses. So it appears what he did was he took customer funds from the exchange but used that to borrow it and post it as collateral. And when that came to light, the other participants in that exchange, particularly one big market participant, uh, this guy Changpeng Zhao, said that he was going to dump a bunch of the, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated, but a bunch of the token issued by the exchange that basically caused the value of that token, the instrument that people hold on the exchange, to collapse. And that sent a free fall spiral that caused the whole house of cards to come crashing down. So, you know, putting complexities and the details to one side, which we can get into if you want. The bottom line is there's a guy who is self-dealing, using customer money on an exchange to cover his own personal trading losses, tried to cover it up. When that came to light, there was a house of cards that came crashing. And unfortunately, many of those customers are likely going to lose a lot of their money, and even the portion they get back, they're not going to see for a very long time. So that's just descriptively what happened. But boy, is there a lot more that's interesting to this story when you yeah. look at this guy who was a major donor to the Democratic Party, one of the major faces of advocating for regulation of the cryptocurrency industry in Washington, D.C., that created the smokescreen that prevented people from being able to see through this fundamental fraud. Okay, so let's, I want to go there, but first let's start. He's like 30 years old. 
Uh, and right. his and the the woman running the hedge fund, she girlfriend, looks, right? Like, his girlfriend mm-hmm. looks like she's fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I, I, I don't have the facts, but I will tell you, it did not look uh, good. <laughs> it surprised me a little bit. Right. So, how is it that these two people pulled the wool over so many people's eyes? So it's a great question. I think it has to do with cultivating this do-good image, this futurist image on the promise of cryptocurrency and the importance of what that would mean for humanity. I mean, at the end of the day, these are nothing, this guy is nothing more than a high-frequency trader. And there's nothing wrong with being a high-frequency trader, but it's just you're in the business ordinarily to just make an extra buck, to make an extra buck by beating somebody else at the sport of trading effectively. But what he managed to do was to disguise that in the veneer of this moral superiority, this morality. Mm. And, and the funniest part about this, Glenn, is that a lot of people miss this. This is going to have a backlash that I think is going to be over-inclusive, where this guy was operating a centralized exchange. That's no different than an old-school exchange. It just happened to offer trading in cryptocurrencies. So there's really nothing that fancy or even futuristic let alone morally humanistic about it. It's just an old school exchange where people trade stuff and the stuff they trained is a cryptocurrency. But the actual promise of the future of cryptocurrency, of decentralization, is actually decentralized exchanges where there's no single centralized owner of the exchange. And the irony here, Glenn, is I think this is going to provoke a backlash from regulators to the entire cryptocurrency. Of course it will including to decentralized exchanges. And the irony, here's the ultimate irony that a lot of people miss. He couldn't have done what he did if it were actually a truly decentralized exchange. The only way he was able to borrow those customer funds as one actor and lend it over to his hedge fund to post his collateral is the fact that the exchange was centralized in the first place. And Mm. so the irony here is you have this guy who is the face of pro-regulation. He was a pro-regulatory advocate in Washington, D.C., which is why everyone viewed him as the good good guy, the golden boy. And yet, the irony is he happened to be the fraudster, and then the reaction to that is likely going to include over-regulating decentralized cryptocurrency exchanges, which would have been probably the best way of actually preventing this fraud. So that's the irony in the whole story that that I think people haven't yet caught up to see. Isn't he also uh, big in uh, ESG? And the well, World Economic it's all Forum? It's part of the smokescreen. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's all just part of the smokescreen, Glenn. Is, it, that is part of it. Now, there was, there was a story that was uh, floating around on social media yesterday that actually found that fa- a subsidiary of FactSet, which is one of these rating companies, yeah. uh, assigned an ESG score on a leadership and governance metric, including as it related to sustainability standards, that was higher for this company than ExxonMobil, okay, which is a <laughs> company that most Americans will know and has been around for a long time. Okay, so that's the bit of the farce in this, but that's just one example of the farce. He's pro-regulation, so the Democrats in Washington, D.C. see him as a good guy. He is the second largest donor to Democrats this cycle, donating over $30 million, another point on the strike in the tally of being the good guy. Wait, wait, hang on. Didn't he also also say that for 2024, he will donate up to a billion dollars to the Democrats? Yes. So so the funny thing is what he said is he was going to donate a billion dollars over the 2022 and 2024 cycle. Now, the sad part for a lot of Democrats is they were kind of upset at him because 
you might think that meant like a few hundred million now and, and more hundred million then. Actually, he only ended up donating 30 plus million. So the side note to the story, kind of the comic part of this is a lot of Democrats are actually upset at him for only ponying up a little over 30 million because he had committed to a billion. But you see, this guy, there's a common pattern, over-promising and under-delivering. Yeah. Turns out that applies <laughs> to his political donations as well. But, but the broader point, though, Glenn, is it's just all, checking all the boxes, speaking with Clinton on stage and Tony Blair, boldly wearing shorts, being the cool guy of the future, World Economic Forum, all that, that, that entire crowd, ESG ratings, donations to the Democratic Party, being vocally pro-regulation in an industry where the other entrepreneurs have, in my opinion, for good reason, resisted regulation. That, that created the cultivated aura of this being one of the good guys, one of the guys you could trust. And it reminds me a lot of actually that CEO of Volkswagen. You, know, you remember this guy, Wintercorn? He was the CEO of Volkswagen, which was the number one ESG award-winning company. Yes. Until they found, and by the way, he would wax eloquent about climate change and the energy transition until they found that he had actually rigged the emissions <laughs> measurements in their own cars, right? <laughs> this reminded me a lot of that story, where the person who protests the case for the futurism of, of the ESG-laden world, the one of the good guys about the pro-regulation crowd, ended up being the most fraudulent of them all. And it's not an accident that that pattern just repeats itself time and again, because it's all about creating a smokescreen to allow you to get away with a kind of fraud you would have never gotten away with if people hadn't been thrown off the scent with the smokescreen that you put up. So that's the story. It happens again and again. And I wish people would learn the lesson, Glenn, but there's something about us as a people that make us suckers for the smokescreen of wanting to be the pro-ESG, pro-Democrat, pro-regulation good guys that every time that ends up being actually a pretty good way to throw the regulators and to throw customers off the scent and to be able to get away with something like this. And, and Vivek, there's a real big uh, media angle here to this, too, because this is yet another example, Elizabeth Holmes style, mm -hmm. where they made this guy into a hero. All the like he, he doesn't brush his hair. He, there were stories about how he wears shorts to every meeting. One story talked about how he would fall asleep on beanbag chairs outside of offices, and they'd bring in all these multi-billion dollar donors, past him while he was sleeping, and then he would wake up and waddle into the, the, uh, the meeting like 10 minutes later, and this was like, he's just a genius. He's a, he doesn't even care. He's asleep on a beanbag outside the meeting. Uh, one story talked about, it, these are all praising him, where he was playing video games during an entire presentation. While he was in there, and they gave him a billion dollars after this meeting where he was playing League of Legends throughout an entire meeting. Unbelievable. And, and like, there's no mea culpa from the media after all of this who built this guy into this celebrity to get all of these dollars. And uh, no, there will never be a time. All they'll get is a bunch of podcasts later on hosted by the same reporters who initially interviewed him and made him into this superstar. I mean, it's a ridiculous cycle. You make such a good point, and this is less a story about this random guy, SBF, whatever. He came two years ago. He'll be gone, you know, two months from now. But it's, it's an indictment of our culture. I mean, what is it about our state of our psyche, our cultural psyche in the U.S., even internationally, 
that causes us to bear this self-inflicting pain every time, mm. to line up behind a guy who, who not only poses to be the boy genius, I mean, that was the Elizabeth Holmes version of this, mm. but to take that to the next level, to think that he is actually better than the rest of us just because he checked the boxes that we had created in our artificial edifice of ESG and of, of humanitarianism and of political philanthropy. It's almost as though we did this to ourselves, and he was just the guy who happened to ride the wave that the rest of our culture had created. That's the more interesting part of this story, because it's, it's the Volkswagen thing all over again. You know, it's Unilever in Kenya. I mean, it's all the stuff I've been writing and talking about for two years. We just see the same story repeat itself in different clothing. It just happened to be in the clothing of cryptocurrency this time around. Uh, so I, I heard um, on the, uh, the podcast uh, All In, I heard Brian Armstrong, who is the CEO of Coinbase, saying he didn't he didn't see this one coming at all. He said, I, I just thought he was a really good, uh, really good guy. He said, now, in retrospect, I I guess I did see things, but I ignored them. Was there anybody who saw this? I, not that I know of. I mean, I think that's what makes it such a big story. Right. And I'm not even, uh, you know, I, I follow the cryptocurrency space, but that's not an area where I spend an immense inordinate amount of my time. I'm focused more on, you know, equity markets, et cetera. But but there is something about seeing a guy who is calling for greater regulation in his own industry Mm -hmm. while also making greater donations to the very people who are responsible for uh, crafting those regulations. Gosh, that That sounds a bad taste in my mouth. That that, that alone just struck me as, as potentially false and inauthentic. Now, was that going to underlie a $30 billion, $40 billion fraud? I, I did not necessarily go the extent of predicting that. But there was something that was amiss about this in terms of calling for self-hating regulation while donating uh, to very people who are going to write those regulations. And that's strange. That sounds a little like Zuckerberg. <laughs> it actually does, doesn't it? <laughs> it right? does. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, it, hey. it, it, it's pattern repeats itself, Glenn. You know it well. So it's not going to be, we could probably count, if we took 10 minutes, we could probably find 10 to 20 other examples that smell just like it. Uh, we were with uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and we're going to continue our conversation with him in just a second because we haven't even gotten to the Ukraine part or the mm. missing $1.7 billion. We'll get to that in just a second. First, uh, let me tell you about Rough Greens. If I handed you a plate of food and before you took the first bite, I said, oh, by the way, um, we've completely sterilized that. Would you, would you be like, um... What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, we just we wanted to make sure it didn't have any nutritional value in it at all. Would you eat it? More to the point, would you eat it every day? If your answer is no, and I hope it is, then let me ask you, why would you expect anything uh, to be different with your dog? This is why your dog needs Rough Greens. It's not a dog food. It's a supplement developed by naturopathic doctor Dennis Black. And you sprinkle it on the dog food, and it has uh, vitamins and minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, all the things that are healthy for your dog. Now, Rough Greens wants to make sure that your dog loves it as much as our dogs do. Uh, Uno loves this stuff. It's like dog crack, I swear. Um, you can get a free bag just for your dog to try out at roughgreens.com slash back. All you pay for is shipping. It's your first free trial bag, roughgreens.com slash back, or you can call 833-G-L-E-N-N-33. That's 833-G-L-E-N-N-33, roughgreens.com slash back, 10 seconds, station ID.
So I'm sketchy on all of this stuff, Avake, but I, I there's a missing $1.7 billion, billion. Is that accurate? I, I can't tell you if it's accurate, but that is what that is that is what the latest uh, reporting is. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how do you misplace one point seven billion dollars? Well, the, the funny thing is now they're talking about this uh, about the potential hack into the system too. After mm. the fraud story came to light, so I, I'm so I have no basis for this other than intuition. But to say that that hack seems. Uh, mysteriously well timed. And so, you know, so, so guys, guys being uh, being you know investigated now for fraud, being scrutinized for fraud for himself misappropriating those funds to his affiliated hedge fund from an exchange that he was operating for customers, and then suddenly there's a hack. And and I think that it strikes me as as a little convenient to sort of say that okay. The hack is something that we can blame because that's something that's outside of all of our control. When, in fact, at the very moment, it, for two years, there wasn't any report of a hack. But now there's a report of a hack right when mm. you are being investigated. So that did that did smell a little bit yeah. uh, amiss to me. But, you know, the facts on this are, are changing by the day, changing by the hour. But this, this, the lesson, I think, is actually less complicated than each of those detailed facts might, you know, might you know, invite. Right. Okay. And and I think that it's it's pretty simple. Whether it was cryptocurrency or anything else, there's just a guy who's operating an exchange for customers. And you cannot use customer money to ed- without their Correct. express permission to advance your own financial trading goals. Period. That is a hard line. And whether you're regulated or not, that is an illegal act of misappropriation, of theft. And then fraud and lying to the people who are you're stealing from. So it actually, in a certain sense, has nothing to do with cryptocurrency, has nothing to do with crypto regulation. The only double irony of this is that if it had actually been operated as a truly decentralized exchange, this guy couldn't have even done the thing that he did. And so in a certain sense, the crypto-ness of this, let alone the, the morality of this, is all just a deflection and a smokescreen from the essence of what was really nothing different than just an old school Madoff-esque fraud. And is there any anything more than just trading into fiat currency um, uh, becoming in bed with Ukraine and the uh, the main bank of Ukraine to to trade cryptocurrency and get it into uh, fiat currency so people could use it? Do you think there's a money making scam in there as well well i think there's no doubt that there is you know in in all of crypto exchanges sort of a a money laundering element to it yeah in the sense that you know you're using the the supposed anonymity of these exchanges to be able to you know launder money that that you otherwise would have not been able to launder but that's not unique to cryptocurrency right no that's a bit of a deflection i know Thank you so much, Vivek. I appreciate it. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, he is the author of Nation of Victims and co-founder and executive chairman of Strive Asset Management. The Glenn Beck Program. Hey, do you remember that time when our government pushed out a lot of student loan forgiveness? Remember that plan? Guess what? You'll never guess. Guess what? Guess. Guess. All right. Cyber criminals are already on top of it, and they're reaching out with emails and texts and phone calls, and they're pretending to be to the government 
to get your sensitive information. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. So they could steal that money that I gave the government that you now have in your bank. Oh, I love this. Cyber criminals are way less evil than we give it uh, than we uh, than we think. I mean, if you're comparing them to the government, then they're way le- they're much more evil than we think when we're not comparing them to the government. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity of, of theft affect your life, and you need to protect it. Get 25% off now on a subscription with LifeLock. 25% off your subscription to LifeLock. Go to LifeLock.com, LifeLock.com, use the promo code back or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com, promo code back. If you had your money in FTX, you might need 30 bucks off right now. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is stand up for 30 bucks off. I want to share a story just to see if you can hear the cognitive dissonance in this story. Last month, A 10-year-old boy walked into the nurse's office of his elementary school in Highland, New York. He asked for some Vaseline. He wanted the Vaseline to rub it on to his new tattoo, a crude rendering of his name in large block letters on the inside of his forearm. The nurse called police. The boy had gotten a tattoo with his mother's permission from a neighbor, according to local authorities. While some states have no minimum age for receiving a tattoo, if a parent allows it, New York State forbids anyone younger than 18 from getting tattooed with or without parental consent. Last month, both the tattoo artist Austin Austin Smith, who was unlicensed, and the boy's mother were arrested as pictures of the boy's arm stirred outrage across local and international news sites and social media. You have got to be kidding me. Now, let me give you another story. Wait, why would you do a story Hmm? about a tattoo, a local news story about a tattoo? Why would that be of any relevance whatsoever to the American people? You mean, why would I do that? Yeah, why would I you? I don't know. You don't know why you'd cover it? I don't know. It was just placed here by my Zionist overlords. Oh, okay. That and I sense. had to do that. Now, if I may continue, Stu, mm-hmm. without your rude questioning, <laughs> let me tell you about another story. This one we're featuring on our Wednesday night special. Our Wednesday night special is... All about a country that has gone insane. Now, just remember the little tattoo story as we share this story about a father who lost his children to the state. That moment the doctor places your newborn into your arms, your entire world changes. I'll do everything in my power to keep you safe. I'll fight for you every single day. For Jeff, that moment arrived times two when his twin boys, James and Jude, were born. And from the start, Jeff loved being a dad. 
I was the stay-at-home parent for them. I've raised them since they were the youngest children. And uh, we were very close and had a super tight bond right up until the courts took them away from me. Everything changed when the boys were two years old. Jeff's then-wife began telling James that timeouts were only for little boys. And that... The monsters only eat boys. You better not be a boy. Scaring him in in these little timeouts. And when I put my foot down and stopped that, she filed for divorce almost immediately. She's a pediatrician. And uh, using her connections with licensed care providers, she was able to get psychologists to basically force me out of my house. And that's when the situation escalated again. Jeff, who then still had 50-50 custody, took this video of James when he was only three years old. You're a boy, right? No. I'm a girl. Who told you you're a girl? Mommy. She puts dresses on you? Oh, wow. And what else does she do? She buys my headbands. Uh-huh. And she, and, <clears throat> and she gets me hair clips. Oh, hair clips? Okay. She enrolled him in school as a girl under a fake girl's name. She started to uh, claim that I couldn't cut my son's hair and that I couldn't use male pronouns. And she went to court to try to force me to use male pronouns at home to stop presenting him to the world as a boy. This evening, there's a decision to share in a volatile custody case involving a seven-year-old's gender. This case has taken on a life of its own. The central question being, should a seven-year-old live as a boy The custody battles continued, but Jeff's ex-wife used her connections with psychologists to force her hand. His 50-50 custody soon became every other weekend only. This hurt the relationship between me and my sons tremendously. And my sons were very sad about it and cried about it all the time. So James, now 10, has lived his short life in a whirlwind of confusion. So there was a time when uh, every authority figure in my son's life except me was telling him he was a girl. His teacher at school, the principal, the police officer at school, the librarian was telling him he was a girl, the lunch lady was telling him he was a girl. His uh, brother, although he didn't want to, was forced to use his girl's name. But there's one part of James's story that makes it even more tragic. And here's the important thing to know about my case. My son has never presented as a girl to me. He only presents as a girl when he's with his mother. So my approach was just very simple, to show my son how great it is to be a man. So we just did all the things that that I did as a boy. We hunted rabbits, we tracked animals, we did hikes. We didn't didn't need to worry about, we were able to tough everything out. And my, my son flourished under these conditions. On the weekends, Jeff shared with his sons his love for boxing. You know, he didn't think he could make it through those first workouts, you know, and, and he, he saw that we could tough it out together. We would get down there and do our, our one hour of floor work, working on our abs, working on our core, and we could do all that together. In a boxing gym, everybody that does the work gets respect. And they enjoyed that. They were treated like young men. Their time together shaped James immensely. Uh, became to understand themselves as in command of their world able to make changes in their world. 
And this eventually culminated in my son refusing to wear a dress at his mother's home because he likes being a man. He told the court-appointed counselor that he wanted to be a, a boy and wanted to go to school as a boy. The court-ordered counselor, she said, well, this, this child is saying he wants to be a boy. That must be because the father's making him say that. And on that basis, she recommended that the court take the children away from him because my son has to be a boy. The boy's mother moved them to California, and Jeff says she's already beginning a full transformation for James. He last saw them over a year ago. But Jeff's battle is far from over. In fact, quite the opposite is true. But I assure you, I will not stop fighting for my son under any conditions. We say, save James, save thousands of children, so we don't forget those other children. He's fighting for more than just his son. He's fighting for James, but also for all the other kids whose parents just won't speak up. And in my daily prayers, I always remember the other children and their parents who either can't or won't fight for them. Save James. Save thousands. Wait until you meet this dad on Wednesday. I think this guy is remarkable. He is coming on uh, against court orders. He has uh, a gag order. He's not allowed to talk to anyone about this story. He's going to be talking to us on Wednesday. Come what may. Uh, he is. He actually would like the court to throw him in jail so he can challenge it. Because he says it is unlawful and unconstitutional to have him stop telling the story. It's amazing that we, <laughs> we live in a world where New York is putting parents in jail if you give your child a tattoo. However, you can take them to California and have them mutilated. And that doesn't seem to be a problem with anyone. You don't want to miss this. It is a special on Wednesday night. It's a special commercial free two hour special blaze tv.com slash Glenn. Make sure you use the promo code stand up. You'll get $30 off of your uh, subscription. It is so important that we don't get frustrated or discouraged. We must stand up. Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, it's Targets of Tyranny, How to Survive Being an Enemy of the State. Mm. So Thanksgiving and the holiday season are right around the corner, and of course that means a bunch of people probably visiting you. Some of them you like, some of them you do not. Fortunately, there's still time to look your very best and years younger with GenuCell. This Thanksgiving season, you can save 70% off on GenuCell's most popular package at GenuCell.com slash Beck. GenuCell products target forehead wrinkles, fine lines, dark spots, skin redness, that sagging jawline, and even the annoying bags and puffiness, and they can go away right before your eyes. Plus, with its immediate effects, you'll see results in less than 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. There's no risk here. It's a pretty amazing thing if you think about it, and if you can, uh, anyone that you have on your uh, Christmas list, uh, any uh, gifts you're going to be giving away, 
coming up soon. It's a great way to go. GenuCell, they're the best in the business from now until Thanksgiving. Get your complimentary deep correcting serum absolutely free when you check out or go to GenuCell.com slash Beck. Enter the promo code Beck for an additional 10% off your entire purchase. And for the holidays, enjoy free shipping and a holiday gift bundle with every most popular package at GenuCell.com slash Beck. It's GenuCell.com slash Beck. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Beck. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. Oh, boy. Big news from Egypt, you know, at the uh, UN Climate Conference. They have come out and said, according to a new study, we've got nine years. <laughs> nine more. That's fantastic nine, news. I thought we were already I, pretty I much know, toast. I, yeah, no, we've got nine more years. We had passed the point of no return. No, no, no. We're we have nine, nine more years, years now? Nine years. Well. This is a miracle. Well, I should say, we, we have nine years, but they're very concerned because new gas projects launched in response, you know, to Russia and Ukraine mm-hmm. is... Uh, is will consume 10 percent of the remaining carbon budget uh that they have 10 percent of the remaining carbon budget yeah yeah that yeah. sounds bad i thought this yeah, well, was good news it makes it all but impossible for nations to meet the paris agreement goal oh to limit gosh. the warming to 1.5 degrees celsius now quick uh, question here mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. natural gas is uh, we're talking about the same substance the yeah, one, yeah, yeah. The, one gas. the one that's almost mm-hmm. exclusively responsible for the drops in emissions mm-hmm. yeah yeah moving yeah. from coal to right, natural gas right 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 but they're saying natural gas is well, the enemy look at here's the problem here's the problem um we, you know we've got more growth we have more oh, growth no. we have one percent increase in carbon dioxide just from burning fossil fuels right now well, and wait. emission now listen to me emissions in both the united states and india mm-hmm have increased while China and the European Union will probably report small declines. From what? From from mm-hmm. the COVID year? Because they have not been increasing overall. They've been decreasing and been on a long-term downward trend. <sighs> Stu, scientists are warning of the world's dangerous trajectory right now the trajectory has been down no 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 leaders at the un climate change conference okay yeah they've advocated for natural gas as a transition fuel that will ease the world's switch from fossil energy to renewable renewables Mm -hmm. so at least four new gas projects have been reported or announced in the last 10 days with several African company uh, countries pledging to expand export capacity and support and supply more fuel to Europe. That's why it's important, Glenn, to keep Africa in the dark ages. You know, hopefully they can never have any piece of the civilization we've grown to know and love. Well, if we keep them in uh, in in a situation where they have none of the resources that we have, yeah. that's much better for the planet. Sure Just punish is. an entire continent of people. Absolutely. It's easy. Well, it is the rhetoric. It's the rhetoric of increased natural gas uh, usage and <laughs> production. Rhetoric. Okay, it's the rhetoric. I'm quoting the rhetoric that has alarmed scientists and activists who ex- who say expanding natural gas production could harm those very vulnerable communities 
and push the planet towards a hotter, hellish future. Quote, gas is not a low carbon energy source. End quote. Wow, that's a riveting yeah, quote, yeah, first yeah, of yeah. all. I thought so, too. <laughs> I thought so, too. That's one of the scientists over there. So the, the theory don't argue is, with science. If, mm-hmm. if, we, if, let's say they get natural gas and they are able to experience modern civilization. Yeah, they'll burn to death in a but they'll be, hellish future. That will, the health, health future, hellish future happens within an air-conditioned room. Uh, with a room well, that has yeah. lighting and refrigeration. Well, yeah. Or... Or they can theoretically avoid some of this hellish future if they just continue their hellish present. That sounds like a great idea. Well, I'm sure they would sign on for that immediately. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just surpass, just bypass, I guess, their entire uh, lives of potential uh, economic growth? And look, we have to reduce our growth. No, we okay. do not need to reduce our No, that growth. I read it in the New York Times today. Yeah, degrowth. We, yeah, mm-hmm. we have to have some degrowth. That's not what, you never say a plant when it dies. You don't say, that's degrowing right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no one ever says that. Where, what is this term, degrowth? That's what's happening when plants degrow. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't lead to anything other than degrowth. Degrowth. It's, Degrowth. Uh, yeah. Uh, decompose, I hear. I hear that yeah, one a yeah, lot. Yeah. Why don't they ever say the economy? We just need to de- decompose the economy for a little bit. That would be a more sensible description. Because that implies death. Yes, it does no, imply death. is death. completely different than degrowth. It, it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is huh? it, though? <laughs> That's my question. Is yeah. It? Is it? Well, I'm not a scientist, so oh, I can't okay. tell you. But scientists are saying now... We have to degrow, uh, and uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't, I don't think so. But then again, I'm a guy who's like, hey, let's not mutilate our kids, you know, Weirdo. and especially if it means that they get a tattoo. I want that. I want that parent in prison. I mean, they can cut off the you know parts of their body, but. No tattoos.